Hey there, folks. Before we start today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, I'd just like to remind you guys that you can check out my daily sports column. It's free by going to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. You can just check out my Twitter to find the link there. Go check out chasethomaspodcast.com. There's a link on that page. Uh, But yeah, go check it out every day. New sports story in your email inbox. Uh, Yeah, go tell a friend, share it out, send it to anyone else you think would uh, like the newsletter. But yes, every single day, go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Just Google Sports Renaissance Man, Chase Thomas, whatever you're most comfortable with, go do that. Uh, If you are an Apple Podcast listener, don't forget to leave this show a five-star rating and review. Uh, It's important uh, to help the show continue to grow. And last thing, uh, very quickly, but uh, please email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com to uh, get your mailbag question in or any other questions that you might have about the show, about the column, anything like that. Uh, new mailbag columns go up every Friday. Uh, if you have any questions for the weekly shows that you would like us to answer on air, whether it's John Taylor on Wednesdays, Evan Swords on Mondays, the sports reporters on Fridays, uh, make sure to get those questions in and we'll read them on the show or I'll answer your questions in the mailbag on the newsletter. So, Go do that. Uh, again, that's chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, leave the show a five-star rating and review. Follow on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, I think that's it. All right. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome back to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am joined by Christopher Walton. Chris, good evening, sir. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Good. Happy to be on again, man. How you been? Not too bad. Not too bad. School, grad school starting back in a week and a half, so I'm not enthused about that. But, you know, football season's around the corner. We don't have long. Like, summer league's happening. Matt McClung's doing things with Lakers summer league, so he's back. And as someone who watches a lot of college basketball, too, that's good because that dude's a gunner and is an insane person. Um, <laughs> also here, Rashad Milligan. Rashad, good evening, sir. How are you? Yo, what's up? It's my debut. It's my debut uh, on the great, you know, Peace Tree alum, mm-hmm. Chase Thomas. So I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. Oh, you know. You remember those days. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. You know, like, <laughs> hey, pe- people talk, you know what I'm saying? I, I know I know about the legend, you know. I know he came up through the game and he went independent. No label, you know what I'm saying? We were just talking about the rap <laughs> game before we reported. Uh-huh. Chase Thomas, independent, no label. Did it all without a deal. Come on, man. Oh. over there. People are talking. I didn't know that. Well, we could talk <laughs> off air about some stuff there too, because they. <laughs> <laughs> but technically, not independent. I sold out. I am with Blue Wire now, so uh, I'm not entirely independent. Yeah, people are going to hear some ads, and shout out to Indeed and all my ads before it. But um, thank you guys for being here. This is going to be a lot of fun because the NBA, like, we're going to uh, get into stuff that's going to be outdated in like 25 minutes because the NBA is not sleeping in Shams and Woj are just going back and forth, throwing haymakers on everything. But I want to start and kind of look, when you look at the winners and losers thus far, start with Rashad, what, uh, who stands out to you most as winning free agency thus far? Which team? For sure. I think of uh, Chicago. I think of Chicago. I mean, you know, a lot of people look at that roster and will be like, oh, they're still, you know, six seed. Like, so what? So what? And I'm like, oh, you get you get one of those guys. You're like, OK. And then you get another one. And you're like, hmm. And then you get another one. You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so uh, 
they have a good start in five right now with uh, Lonzo at the one, and then you have uh, DeMar DeRozan, you have uh, Levine still, and uh, Patrick Williams at the four, and then Fooch at the five. And then you have, coming off the bench, you have Caruso, and then uh, Ayo, the, the guy they just drafted from Illinois, the hometown kid, mm. who could be a still. You know, uh, like he said, you're you're a college basketball fan. You know how good AO is. So yeah, um, Batman. That yeah, exactly, Batman. So that that could be something. That could turn into something, especially in the East. Um, and then you never know because with these super teams, when you look at a Brooklyn, like you said, we're gonna get to Los Angeles in the second. But when you look at Los Angeles and Brooklyn, a couple of those guys get hurt in the starting lineup, and you're you know like, kind of looking to Blake Griffin and um, the likes of. Carmelo and whoever the heck is 50 years old and used to be good five years ago and you're like can you turn back the clocks of time and you know you can't depend on that you know if a couple of those guys go down so uh that's why those teams in the middle of the pack like you saw with Atlanta like if a couple of those teams you know they get a, a top heavy and a couple of those guys get hurt then things open up and uh, so I think a lot of those middle of the pack quote unquote teams are very important. That's why I think Chicago really won um, so far. They're they're a winner, a team that stands out. Okay. Well, what about you? I really like what the Miami Heat did, man. Mm. Bringing in Kyle Lowry. Um, you get you a, a floor organizer, somebody who's just an adult when they out on the floor with the team. Um, you get to raise the ceiling a little bit more putting them with uh, Jimmy Butler. He got a big extension, so you got that locked in for the future. Combine them with Bam. They signed Markeith Morris today. Um, you know, that's a good four or five that you can throw out on the court when you want to go smaller, you want to get some shooting out, space the floor a little bit. Um, and, you know, the offseason, just making it here for the Heat, I know they got bounced early by the eventual NBA champions with the Bucks. But they desperately needed this time off to recover. The season was already short in form. They had a lot of, you know, COVID issues. And uh, I really don't think they found their footing. But having this offseason, making these additions, I think the Heat really real big winner free agency and going forward. I agree. I think the Heat are, like, I, you didn't even mention P.J. Tucker, who I PJ think is, just, is a yeah. steal for them. Like, they were missing Jay Crowder a lot last year, I think. And getting, he's not going to be as good as Jay Crowder. And Zach Lowe wrote a really good piece about this today on ESPN. But like, that is something that they were definitely missing in that Milwaukee series. And ironically enough, Milwaukee had PJ Tucker in that series. But I think Chicago is like a wait and see for me. Like, they have given up on the lottery, which is what they should do. It's kind of like the magic where they've been in Charlotte a little bit, where like things just, the balls just have not bounced their way. And they haven't gotten a lot of luck. Like Kobe White's not a starter in this league. He's got too much Aaron Brooksitis in him, and uh, unfortunately, that's just not a not a long-term starter. And then you look around, you're like, uh, Wendell Carter didn't work. Laurie Markkinen didn't work. But you did hit on Zach Levine, who is shooting eight threes a night, shooting almost a forty percent clip, and carrying a high usage, getting better on defense. But like someone you can rely on with a high usage and to run a playoff offense. Then you have Patrick Williams, who looks like a guy who can defend all five positions. He's looking really good. I'm high on Patrick Williams. But they did something smart, which is that, like, hey, we have the number one fan base by attendance every year. Like, Chicago's number one, huge market. Let's just be good for a couple years and bank on these good pieces. Like, if Vooch keeps playing well, if Zach Levine keeps playing at an all-star level, if Lonzo really excels off ball, 
if this, that, and the other all work, then we can package these guys for somebody else to pair with Levine, our star. Let's keep him happy. Let's keep these fans happy who have Levine, who've been able to just enjoy what he's developed into on this team and do right by him and see what happens. So like they are not building a contender, but what they are building is a stable group of veterans who know what they're doing around their star. And it's a star situation where they can't win a title, but it's a situation where they can be really good and there's... I don't see a scenario where they're not a playoff team. Does that make sense? Right, right, right. For sure, for sure. For sure it makes sense. Well, who's the star that you see him trading? Like maybe Cat? I don't know if the Minnesota's going to do that anytime soon. Well, also Minnesota, like I just was talking to uh, Jack from Candace Hoopas, uh, Jack Borman of Candace Hoopas, and we were talking about that a little bit. But like Anthony Edwards being in the fold, I, I just I don't I don't think they are going to hit the complete reset anytime soon because Edwards really popped down the stretch there, and I, I just think they're going to go down. I think he's the out ship. of there, man. I think he's out of there. You, you know, we're from Atlanta. Mm. We got some, you know, we got some people. Ant, Ant is out of there in like five six years. Okay, well, I mean that's uh, five to six years though. Like that's we yeah, yeah, got some yeah, time. That, I know, I know, I know. I know. Yeah. A lack of change, then, man. I just also he's objectively the funniest NBA player like every interview with Anthony Edwards (laughs) is one of the funniest things ever like he is objectively hilarious I will listen to any Anthony Edwards explainer for how good of a football player he was in high school whenever whenever Anthony Edwards wants to talk what he can do like he could sell me that he could be like the all-time best barista after a 30 second (laughs) clip I'm 100% certain he could do that Uh, he's he's a legend Um, I don't know but the Bulls, they're just a wait and see. Well, like, when you look at the Heat, do you think they're done? Do you think this is enough? And that betting on the health of Jimmy, Kyle, PJ Tucker not flying off a cliff, um, a year three bounce back for Tyler Hero, um, do you think there's just too much relying on an older core that needs to be healthy at the right time? For me, um, I think you you can always try to strike a balance with that. Um, and for Chicago, the biggest thing is, like you said, is just showing Levine you're serious and you're ready to contend. Um, and you, you're willing to spend the money, you're willing to make the moves, whether that be, you know, now they did it and in the future, you know, if they need to do something because you never know when the next star going to be disgruntled and now you got the, the contracts to play with and the flexibility. So you can just go out and do it. Um but I think it was important for them to do this now so they can, you know, at least be able to bring this to the table when it's time to try to resign Levine back, especially with the comments he made the other day about, you know, wanting his respect and trying to get this new deal and whatnot. Yeah. For, for we, sure. I yeah. think, oh, uh, well, I just wanted to say with Miami, yeah, I think this is definitely like kind of a, a last swing at it. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, well, you, you give Jimmy Butler the money you gave Jimmy Butler. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not a last swing. But, you know, like, hypothetically, you know, like, uh, the way they went out last year wasn't pretty at all. And then, you know, you can obviously say, uh, yeah, Butler, you know, the quick turnaround. Butler had COVID. He lost 80 pounds. Like, you can say all that, right? But it didn't look pretty at all. And then you bring in another guy. It didn't look pretty at all in Kyle Lowry, and you expect him to come fix it. And yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it, and PJ Tucker, you know, how, how much longer? PJ Tucker doesn't look like the PJ Tucker he did a couple years ago already. Like, I mean, yes, he, he was a glue guy for, for a championship team a couple weeks ago, 
much respect to him. But but like you said, like it's too much. All these guys got to be clicking. All these guys got to be healthy at the right time and uh, play together long enough to to get it going. You know, salute to Bam and you know what I'm saying uh, and salute to Hero, the, the young guys and stuff. Duncan uh, signing that money and stuff. But it's just like, bro, like like you said, it's just they're banking on being healthy at the right time. And if you aren't, because you're old, you know, you're just looking at kind of what you had last season. I mean, Lowry and Tucker are both on the wrong side of 35. Like, there is a very easy scenario, or plausible, I should say, where this goes really bad really quick. Like, th- there is that distinct possibility. Um, but I still think it's worth the gamble because we really don't know when Jimmy's going to give out. Like, Jimmy, it, what's, he's, like, the most interesting star to me because he doesn't shoot threes anymore. Like, he's just out. Like, he doesn't shoot threes at all, and he still affects games in every other way. Um and he's just, he's one of my favorite players. And I just, I'm a big Jimmy Butler guy, but like the Tibbs years, just the tread that he had in the bubble, what he's done to this point in his career. Like, I don't know, like it could fall off really quick because he doesn't have the shooting to fall back on. Like everything else, like everything comes from his motor. And if his motor starts to depreciate, um, that's a, that's a problem because Kyle Lowry's motor is going to depreciate sooner rather than later, but he's an elite shooter, which is going to keep things afloat a little bit longer. But I don't know. I am I'm curious, but it's the kind of stuff that you should do. Um, Rashad, do you think they gave Duncan a little bit too much? Or are you a little bit concerned about the years and money for him? Uh, I mean, you know, you, you look at a guy like Jimmy, like like you say, Jimmy doesn't shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. He doesn't shoot anymore. So, you know, like if it was one thing when, when Laurie first signed, uh, signed, excuse me, and the rumors were out there that you know, DeMar was going to team up with them for a reunion in Miami. Mm. And then, uh, you know, I was talking to my boy Malik Brown about this, who's also at PC right now. And he was saying, where's the spacing? Like, you have no one to space. So, I mean, like like everybody was pretty much saying when Duncan got that money, like, be a star in your role. So, you need some shooter. And, like, how many shooters are you going to find out there better than Duncan? You know, mm-hmm. so... It's not like they're just growing on trees, uh, even though a lot of dudes can shoot like they can't play. You know, like you guys know, it's just a lot of steps to this, a lot of um, things. So uh, I'm not too concerned about the money they gave him because it's like you need that. Yeah, you have a like a, a lot of your star players, a lot of your, you know, kind of key guys are slashers or, you know, someone like a, a Bam, you know, who's face up mid range in. So you kind of needed someone who was going to shoot for you. And, you know, Hero is still a question mark. So, yeah. Which is good, though, because Hero doesn't have to start anymore. He doesn't have to be uh, a go-to. Like, he, the expectations for him, I think, the, just his role is going to be decreased, but I think that's probably better for him to just lose some pressure because I think that probably weighed on him this year after the just kind of rookie year that he had. It just was – it took all of us by surprise, and then he took a step back because progress is not linear. And if he's coming off the bench – I, I think that's actually a, a plus for him. And they also got out of the Kendrick Nunn experience, which is also positive, I think. Yeah. yeah. And it's something to, you know, having like a, a guy like Kyle Lowry in mm-hmm. the locker room and on the floor. Yeah. Uh, I know sometimes it can be like cliche and we can make a lot about people being like mentors and you seeing people every day and kind of picking up their habits. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of weight to it too sometimes. And I think he's the perfect kind of buffer between um you know him and jimmy butler if not no rift that i know of between tyler hero and jimmy butler but um i know coming out the bubble and then going into the season 
it's got to do something to his confidence when he look at how well he played and then, you know, him kind of going up and down last year. So I think somebody like Kyle Lowry would be big for his confidence and, you know, helping him get back to close to that level he was in the bubble and, uh, you know, being able to be a weapon off the bench. Well, thankfully he's got his Instagram account, so I think that yeah. should always keep his, his confidence. And that's Chipotle too, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and rolling loud. <laughs> Um, I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that he'll always have this confidence, man. They just had to play the, you know, the the uh, Jack Harlow song. Mm, that is true. <laughs> like that's never going anywhere. That guy can say that he was in. He got named after a song. That's when you really make it. When when y'all hear, um, I, I'll probably say let's let's do an over under two years. When you hear like the the follow up to Coding Crazy is just uh, Chase Thomas, and we we get that. That's when I know I'm like, okay, good. I'm Atlanta certified forever. <laughs> Uh, I was actually thinking about this with the the, the names of uh, people, Mm. and it was Mo Bamba, man. Like, because he he performed it at Rolling Loud, and I was like, yo, this song is so awesome. Like, I forgot how awesome this song was. Like, Mm. this is a really good song. And I was just thinking about Mo listening to it and answering questions about having the song Mo Bamba or whatever for for three years and having Mo Bamba be so much bigger than Mo Bamba, the actual person. But yeah, man, if. Coding crazy if the the follow up to that is Chase Thomas mm-hmm. like I mean it works too you know it yeah. works too Chase you know why like the obvious thing you know you rap about some drugs and Chase Thomas you know Atlanta certified you mm-hmm. know what I'm mm-hmm. yeah it lines up it it's it's a very easy song I mean it's the like pinnacle for me Montana. is getting permission from either Future or Migos or Young Thug to or honestly it's actually. The the one I would actually want to get most to get approved on this podcast, like use as an intro and outro, like to get permission to do, is the live concert that I went to, the last Outcast concert at Centennial Park that they ever did. Um, I think it was at last was what it was called. But yeah. if I got them to give me permission to have the Bob opening as the opening, like just the the cut from that live show. Do you think uh, Andre three thousand has the internet? <laughs> well i know big boy does the big boy for sure big boy for sure big boy he, he a would, big internet you could guy. tweet at him literally on the timeline hey big boy <laughs> like i have this podcast or mm-hmm. i'm from China, you know. like big boy would do it i don't know if andre andre's off the grid yeah he yeah man the internet it's a good life i i don't blame him that man's got his priorities in in check i i don't hate it um but yeah, that that's the dream. That's when you guys hear that, you'll be like, "Oh, okay, Chase is good now. Chase, Chase is good. Um, it it, it is good." But I do love explaining to people where it's like, "Oh, where's Migos?" And I'm like, "Well, they they went to high school like two minutes from me, and uh, like Berkmar, and he was like Corbeck, and it's like uh... anyway." Um, the Warriors <laughs> added Otto Porter. They added Bielica, Bielitsa. I'm never gonna pronounce that name right. Um, from the Kings. Uh, they, it looks like Andre Godard's back, probably coming back. And then they drafted Kaminga and Moses Moody in the lottery. They are trying to do something that is extremely difficult for teams to do, which is oscillate between contention and rebuilding. And they kept Wiseman. They kept that pick. They have Kaminga now. They have Juan Toscano-Anderson they have a backup point guard situation that is still very unsettled and not a big fan of Mulder or anybody um, behind Steph. But, like, 
we are like Steph and we, I don't know what we're going to get from clay. And Bob Myers even said like, we're contenders. If clay is what he was two years ago, if he's not, then we're not. Um, and then Draymond, like Draymond could fall off a cliff any year. Um, it, it's just because of the way he plays. I think they're so fascinating because Vegas loves them. I think they have the third highest title odds going to next year. I have no idea what to make of the them, Warriors. Like, yeah, the Warriors do. Mm. The Warriors have the third. Stop it. Yes, I mean before free agency they did. Hey. That, that's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But they continue. Chase, I'm sorry. No, I mean <laughs> that, that's package, man. But that's what I'm saying. They're so. I I just I don't know what to make of this group. But like, do you like? The, do you like the decision to keep both those lottery picks? Do you like their free agent signings thus far? With what? I mean, with the little that they have, I mean, you can't be mad at it. Otto mm-hmm. Porter, that's a good gamble. If he's healthy, that's, you know, you always can use a good wing that can hit threes and defend a little. You always can do that. Uh, Bijalinka, uh, he's a little bit on the older side, but he got a little size, 6'10". He can step out. He can, you know, shoot a little bit. Underrated uh, playmaker, too. He's not going to be like a run-your-offense-through-him kind of guy as far as handling the ball in the half court. But, you know, he can uh, find some some people cutting, um, you know, when you, when you put him on the block or the way the, the Warriors run, like their movement offense. He can, he can come in and, and – Add a little oil to the hinges, man. I, I like the the two they brought in, and then they just get Andre back. I think that'll just be a cool story, and uh, we all get to enjoy that and watch him, you know, go out, go out and ride to the sunset, man, with his old crew. I want Patty to end up there. Like Patty's got an interest from them, the Nets and the Lakers, but like the Lakers just signed none, so like I don't think they'll do it. Um, yeah, I think Patty signed with Patty, that. Yeah. Oh, did he? Nets. Yeah, oh, two he years for twelve, oh. I think. Uh, I was kind of surprised because I don't know how that works. Like during the the Olympics, like are you up all night on the phone, like with your agent while you're talking? I, I was right. wondering. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was running that too. Like you running everything by Levine. You're like, hey, DeRozan, good. No, we kind of need to know. <laughs> oh, um, oh, but, but but the Warriors for the Warriors. Uh, yeah, Chase. To go back to your question, um, two top fifteen picks and a great draft on paper. That sounds like okay, great. Steph Curry is old. He's getting old. Klay Thompson is coming off of two uh, knee surgeries and, and season-ending, you know, injuries and Achilles, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, is that or Achilles, excuse me. So, you know, and Draymond is, you know, he's kind of he, he's kind of gotten off with, of the excuse of his impact is beyond the stat sheet for the last <laughs> five years. So it's like, okay, like what is this team? What can this team do? You don't know. And you, you would think, okay, all right, this is the perfect time to package those two picks, you know, to, to get some help in. But then you think about it, and you're like, who is on the market? They're all backcourt guys. So it's Damian Lillard. Uh, you have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill. All three of those. You know, there is no one on the market really notable who is in the front court. So it's like, who are you going to get to bring over help for Golden State with those two picks? So, I mean. Um, I think that's why Pascal was popping up on their radar a little bit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pa- uh, Pascal, Pascal. Yeah, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't know if that do. moves them enough. Like, I don't think any of those moves, like, propel them to the top I, of the West. I think, it, I think it does more than, you know, 19-year-old Jonathan Kaminga and, yeah. and 19, 20-year-old Moses Moody, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. I, I think for them, 
they get to actually field NBA play, NBA players on the court. No disrespect to you know the motors of the world and a lot of the guys that they brought up through the G League. Um, just having Clay there, I don't know what Clay got left, but like I said, just getting guys on the court is going to help them out. I mean, we seen what they did last year. I don't know about I'm with you, Chase. I don't know about contention until I see it, but they'll definitely be in the hunt as far as that five, six, seven, eight range. But when um, we say that, who's falling? Year. Who's falling to the top of the West next year? The, Man. I know the LA teams like Denver. Who? Where's Denver going? Like, where is Utah going? Where? Like, I, I just don't know where these. Who these? The Phoenix, for that matter. Like, who's falling in this group? Portland. I mean Portland, yeah. Mm. But that's if, it. if you trade if you trade CJ and Dane, I mean, which could, you know, very possible, you know. Well, I, I don't I don't see them trading Ah it's pos it's you know, but at least CJ, you know. It's kinda like uh in the East with, with Philly. You know, they trade Ben and blow it all up, you know. They, if they're they, trading they Ben, they're not blowing it up though. Because, like if you're trading Ben, I don't like you're trading for someone who can help Embiid win a title in the next two years. Cause like Embiid is, I, I love Joe Embiid, but like that dude is not going to be an MVP type player five years from now. Like the injury, like at some point, yeah. at some point, these knee injuries and everything else and the foot stuff and all, it has to like, it has to end things quickly. Like, I don't want that to be the case, but like if you're betting on Joel Embiid still being an MVP type player in this league three years from now, I just, that's not me. Like I'm out. Like this is like a, uh, like he is at an unreal level right now. We saw he was a little bit different um, in the postseason. Talked to Coach Thorpe about that from ESPN last week, and he was like, "No, he he was not right. Like Joel Embiid was not right. Like that is going to be a common theme until it's not right and it's staying not right." So I would do like the the their decision not to flip for James Harden last year really really bit them because I think Harden and Bead. I, I don't even know what you do with the pick and pop there. Like I don't yeah, know how you really stopped the East. Like that Oof, was that was man. a move. Fumbled yeah. the bag. They did. Yeah, big time. Because I don't well, know what yeah, they can I, do. It's I, Lillard, and I don't know if they'll. The Portland should if they get offered uh, picks and Simmons for for Lillard. I I would take it because Simmons would actually be great in Portland and get his get away from everything. Just do a free flowing offense. Just quiet. Defense. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I would like him in Portland. Use it. Yeah, I would like that. But I don't think any of those things are going to happen. Um, Memphis Memphis can fall out. Oh, also Memphis, interesting you say them, because I think the, the other idea was Jaron Jackson, like flipping Wiseman for Jackson, where oh. Wiseman fits there. That was something mm. I was wondering. I like that. Jackson's ready to win now, and you throw him in, and like there's some questions about the injury stuff, but like Jackson and Draymond, oof. Oof, pick and pop with Jackson and Steph. Yeah, I like that. And then why did I take his time in Memphis? Did we say being destinations? Did I hear something related to a being destination? Oh, yeah, Portland. Portland, yeah. I would love if uh, Atlanta could get in on them talks, man. Oh, that's not happening. But it ain't. They got got some decent assets. They just don't have the – I don't think they have the – the big contract that Philly would want. Maybe if they if they went ahead, well, they do now. And, Trey Young, yeah, Trey Young, <laughs> yeah. Or if they went ahead and they gave you know John Collins his money, and maybe I think they're going to money too, guys. Yeah, it's 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 a lot, but I would love for them to get into the talks. I don't expect 
Ben Simmons or Dane be moved until either uh, trade their line or next year, though. Yeah. I don't know. Simmons, it's just value could not be any lower. Like, that's the right. unfortunate part. But, like, Simmons, we've talked to nauseam about him where it's just, like, if he had an average shot, he's a top three player in basketball. And someone Easily. made this point, I forgot. Like, I forgot who it was a few weeks back. But it was, like, even if he never shoots anything, like, he's a Hall of Famer. Like, with everything else that he does defensively and changes games and his pace of play, his passing, his elite passing, his elite vision, his elite defense, like, that dude, if he continues on this trajectory with what he's scoring and what everything else, then he's probably a Hall of Fame player. And we're just really upset because it's like, if that dude was an average shooter, he is a game changer and he's untouchable. God, that was the expectation coming out of school. Yeah. That's why he's a normal pick. Yeah. Which I agreed with. Like, he's worth the gamble. It's just seems all mental, which is why I would just be so hesitant to move on from him. Because if he gets over the mental stuff, then, I mean, you have a MVP. Like, I just, yeah. it would scare me. I imagine Daryl Morey and Doc and Rince terrified of moving him. Because if he goes somewhere else and becomes mini LeBron, then you're like, oh, God, what have we done? Um, and you don't want to be that team. But yeah, speaking, of, uh, speaking of Philly, though, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the guys who are on the market. This doesn't really, you know, <laughs> help Golden State, but it was another guy on the market, Tobias Harris. Yeah, I heard that, too. Who's training for for Tobias though? Who who is he moving the needle for? No one. Yeah, I, I think I think he's proved that in his last couple stops. It's like the teams are exact same, and he just keeps getting his twenty. He just fades. Like he's someone who will get twelve in the first quarter, and then zero in the second, <laughs> and then he'll have eight in the third and two in the fourth, and people just see twenty two, eight and eight, and he's solid. It's like, well, no, that man, no. And I like Tobias, but if he's like your fourth guy, he's just in that Harrison Barnes, Wiggins type thing where it's a lot of empty calories. And um, what he was doing in Los Angeles a couple years ago was the best version we saw of him where he was uh, doing that high pick and roll and was like lead ball handler as a point forward. But we haven't we haven't seen that ever since. So I don't know. I'm pretty I'm pretty out on that. But if you do, if you tell me like Portland just adds him because they just need to keep at like they just need to throw money at dudes like more guys who can help ease the burden for Lillard because they're just not doing anything. They, they're doing nothing. Norman Powell is not enough um, to keep him happy. But are we in agreement? I have a question. Are we in agreement that the Spurs are having the worst offseason of any NBA team right now? I don't know what they're doing. Um, I mean, I guess they're just grabbing guys just to try to see what they can do with them. But, you know, with the small assets they have with Dante Murray and um, Derek White, I think they could have made a little bit more shake than what they did. And then they had DeRozan, too, uh, which I think that was a it did turn into a sign and trade. But I feel like they could have got more more for the future. Um, But to me, it feels like they're just trying to transition pop out and, you know, whether Becky Hammond replace them or not. Whomever's there, just get used to kind of, you know, they they don't seem to want a full-out rebuild. So, I mean, this is what they got. What, they don't McDermott? have a choice. Their team stinks. <laughs> they, you got a choice. Yeah. Like, Yaka Pirtle at the four, who's starting? Zach Collins, are they starting Pirtle and Collins? The four or five? Yeah. Yep. Is Trey Jones backing up DeJounte Murray now? <laughs> Bobby yeah, Walker and, uh, ever going to do anything? 
Mm. This team's awful. He cut his hair. Yeah. Oh my god. This this yeah, Spurs team, like they're an organization now where they've got the benefit of the doubt way too long, and the Pats might be nearing this with Belichick and everything going on in New England right now. Where it's like if you just remove Pop and you remove the history of the Spurs and you just purely look at their moves and how they've drafted and what they've done over the last five years, you would go, oh, this organization's not good. Like they're the Orlando Magic, but because of the history, you're like, oh, they they, they got a plan. They'll develop them. The, the Derek White, he'll he'll be a thing. Dejounte Murray, he's going to be great. <laughs> Keldon Johnson, awesome, can't wait. Devin Vassell, Olympian, young Kawhi. Olympian Keldon Johnson. <laughs> I just, they're going to be the wor- one of the worst teams in the NBA next year. I don't see how they're they're not. Like, look around. Like, it sounds crazy to think, but I'm like, who in the West is going to be worse? Portland still like, even if they fall, Houston got a lot better. Houston, I think, will be okay if John Wall's healthy. Like they, I like that group with Christian Wood, Wall, Jalen Green. Those guys, like, I don't, I don't hate that. Shade just got paid. OKC, I think, will be better. Sacramento is old. They're one of the older teams in the West. The Pelicans might be better. The Grizz are better. The Timberwolves should be better. The Spurs have a real chance of being a bottom three team in the in the NBA next year. New Orleans can make a good case of being worse than them next year. I mean, but Zion, like the upside of Zion and Brandon Ingram, like that's just, there's no excuse for them to be worse than, than uh, the Spurs next year. Like that's, David Griffin's got to go if if that's the case. New Orleans has surprised me in the last couple of years of how underwhelming they've been. Well, let's talk me. about New Orleans because they have been active too. Like Devontae Graham out of nowhere. Like it seemed like every report you read from Charlotte people was Devontae Graham, uh, they picked up his qualifying offer. So he was staying in Charlotte and that, um, who am I blanking on? The guy who ended up they were moving on from. Uh, why am I blanking on who it was? Not Lamelo, not Rozier. Who am I blanking was gonna? Oh, Malik Monk. But oh, they did not yeah, pick up Malik his, Monk. so he had to Sasha. go. And, you know, then they're like, no, we're actually gonna sign and trade him away. And you look at the Pelicans and you're like, I don't know what they're fixing here. What are we doing? Like, I don't know. They're just mixing and matching bad fits. It seems like. And Lonzo, I would just. I don't know, man. I do not like what David Griffin's doing again. Sorry, David. I yeah. know you follow me, so I apologize. But maybe it's a long-term <laughs> plan. But like, I, I just, I don't see it. This just feels more of like, I don't know how they're better. I want to know what had, something had to go down for. They made it clear last year that they were not going to, you know, go forward with Lonzo Ball. Mm. And I don't know what it was, but it was sudden and it was surprising to me. Um, and I feel like they probably could have got more for him last year at the trade deadline mm-hmm. um, rather than what they got. No disrespect to Devontae Graham. I love his story. But with Zion's people putting that heat on them, man, they <laughs> went backwards. They they were one of my losers in um, free agency too. And then, you know, they still got Josh Hart just kind of waiting in the wind. So we don't really know what's happening with them. So, well, he's podcasting. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's a good thing when you start to, you know, describing a basketball player with, I love his story, but. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, like, you yeah. know, for they want to, they went from getting into the Kyle Lyra sweepstakes to this. So I don't think that they're ever tells in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. I think that's one of those things where they put out like where that was where, leverage. Yes. Yeah, that that was leverage. And they to make got, Zion and Ingram happy. We're like, hey, we're yeah. trying. Tried, yeah. But I mean, 
Well, Miami is a stronger organization, and they're a lot closer to a title than them. But I was going to say if if, uh, 100% Mm -hmm. twice on Sunday. Exactly. And, I mean, there's this the Saints, which who you don't want to go anywhere near that. You don't want to go anywhere near LSU. You don't want to go anywhere near the New Orleans Saints. Like it's South Beach all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, man, so but... are the Pelicans having a worse offseason than the Spurs? Mm, no, because it's like I, I think I like Sadoransky. I like Garrett Temple. I like – I don't know. I don't – I didn't hate their draft. I like Jonas. I think Jonas is actually a better fit next to Zion than Steven Adams was. But, like, it's just not enough to calm a lot of nerves with Ingram and Zion. And we already got pressure from Zion's family. Like, this is not this is not enough. And, like, there was some weird stuff. And the reason that Stan got fired in the first place was that, like, he was too negative. And players tuned him out. And Zion was like, nah, man. These young guys were like, we're, we're not doing this. Um, so it didn't work, and they were just historically bad defensively, and that's a stand coach team. So they went, I think, 31-41. They were t- uh, 10 games under five hundred last year, but healthy Zion and a healthy Ingram, like, they should be in that 7-8 to eight range. Like, they should be in the Memphis-Dallas range I because Ingram is that good, and Zion should be that much better next year. Like, um, coach last week was like, if you watch the film, Zion could be an MVP candidate next year. Like, that's how close he is already. So it's like it's hard for me to disparage them too much, but then again, they lucked into Zion, so it's not like they did a whole lot. It's like, oh yeah, you took Zion Williamson, congratulations. Um, <laughs> way to way to go, way to that was that was a tough one. Um, no, I don't I don't know. They're not having a worse offseason than the Spurs because the Spurs, I think, it's just there's no reason for optimism with what they're doing. Like I I don't even know what's the point of Doug McDermott. What is the point of throwing shit at the wall with Zach Collins? Like what? What what is the point of any of this? John Collins dot 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 question mark. Uh, I don't think Collins even wants that. Like that's a sad situation <laughs> for him. Uh, yeah. And then he's going back he to would. number one option life. Like he just learned he's the fourth option. Like that is something I talk with friends about where I'm like, I'm so curious because Collins had to become a fourth and fifth option for them to succeed in the playoffs. And that was a huge thing for him to get over and accept. Does he accept that if he becomes the second highest paid player on this team? Or does he reassert his role where he's like no 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 no, y'all are paying me this so i am actually this again um or is trey like hey we've already had this back and forth i don't need to go to chris kirshner again in the athletic and uh, we need to uh, i don't have to do that but like this this is not gonna happen you're gonna hit in the, you're gonna be in the corner we're gonna run the spain pick and roll pick and drag and uh that's all you're doing that's it nah, Col- Col- collins is gonna be the same guy after the money because i hope so. i mean he was playing he was playing the way he was like, like you said accepting that role as the fourth fifth option on the court uh you know when they were winning because you know and he said it you remember when he was like at the end of the season yeah i could have put up more points and stuff like that but i had to sacrifice that for for winning you know for the team winning and stuff like mm-hmm. that and he was doing that with money on the line so, you know, I think once he gets that money, I don't think he's going to change. You know, that, that's just kind of so, his man. personality. I hope so. Um, what do you what do you make of the Lou two-year two, two year thing? Because I was like, oh, I'm out immediately. Like, anything after one, I'm like, goodbye. Like, you're back. Like, you're role. I'm not signing up for a guy who's contemplating retirement and looked awful before he got to Atlanta. Like, no. I understand that, like, finding a backup point guard has been a huge problem uh, during the Trey Young era. But, like, no, I'm not giving a multi-year deal to a backup co- 
guard? No, we can just have Herder. Like that is the thing is like Herder can just be the backup point. Like that he is at the point now where he can be the secondary playmaker with and lead the second unit. Like I don't we don't need that anymore. Yeah, it's gonna be I tough. Think, I think they, I think they still need it. I think they still need. It. I don't think Herder and and Cam. I don't think they're enough. Like like they tried. The Hawks have tried that, and they just. It's well, we saw it. another That's level of it. Herder. We we Herder. Oh yeah, to another yeah, level yeah, this year. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, salute to Herder. Salute to Herder. Great, great, great. But ah uh, nah, I'm I'm looking at that Nick series, man. When when Trey goes out, yeah, and it just looks like Hawks don't know how to play basketball. And a lot of games when Trey was out. In the playoffs, and John Collins looked like he didn't know what to do on offense without Trey Young spoon feeding him the ball. Uh, so I mean, I mean this they they need it, man. They need it, man. The the difference that Lou made when he played well those two three games in the playoffs it just made a world of difference. Oh, I don't like, disagree. Like I don't yeah, disagree yeah. at well, all. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying I don't think Kevin Hurd is the guy. Well, what I'm saying is like, would you rather have Rose for one or Lou for two? Hmm. Hmm. For sure. Yeah, you know what Rose brings to the table. He still, still got a lot left, man. Louis will be on. He on the other side of thirty now, and you don't want to see what happened once he he hits thirty six. And especially if you plan on, you know, continuing and going deep into the playoffs. That's uh, I don't know. I think we should have given uh, another year for Chris Dunn. He was he was close to really breaking through. With this Hawks, was he was he was close. Um, Matthew Delvadova still a free agent, um, the legend, thirty one years old, thirty one. How is he only thirty one? <laughs> hey man, what they call them the lost mixtape years, man. When you when you uh you get that bag after you come off of competing or you had that one good year, and we never see you again. Man, until you pop back up. Um. Let's wrap with our favorite extensions and our least favorite extensions. Walt, who is your who's your favorite? When you look at the numbers and the years, who did you like the most and which contract did you like the least? I love Steph Curry's extension because I think he's gonna age gracefully. It was well deserved last year. Um, you know, not that the front office and Steve Kerr didn't believe in him, but they didn't think that he could come out perform at you know the level that he performed when he won his MVPs and he did that and then some I love that deal you gotta lock in your stars um, and, and give them that thank you uh, the extension that I did not like hmm man that Jimmy Butler extension is tough I understand it from Miami's point of view but you know like we talked about the durability and the style of play that Jimmy brings to the table extremely risky man and you know you couple that with Kyle Lowry it could be a great next next year two years for the Heat but you know as we've seen last year with all of these injuries and wear and tear man it can be an awful two or three years for the Heat and then you know they kind of stuck with damaged goods but we'll see Pat Riley always make a way but I'm a little weary about that extension what about y'all Love the the Trey Young extension, mm. uh, first hawk to get a max since. <laughs> Chase knows what that is. Chase knows what that is. Oh my god! <laughs> first uh, first max is chin for Atlanta Hawk in eleven years. 
deserved every single penny, man. I'm, you know, just they they said he wouldn't be in the league in five years. Mm. I remember, I remember all of your tweets. But um, wait, yeah, who I, me? No, 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 no. I, I was talking to. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I was someone who was pounding no, the no, 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 the Luca no. for if, Trey if, stuff. If I knew that Chase, I would have opened up with that. Like, oh, you know, you were wrong <laughs> about Trey. How you doing? I'm doing great tonight. But uh, some men just want to watch say, the world burn. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, from a narrative perspective, um, my favorites were, were Trey and and Steph. Uh, for you know, Steph, you know, with the rumblings of him oh could he go to the lakers i like don't do that that's so white bro you, you have three rings there's no reason for you to do that but um i guess from uh kind of uh, the actual thing is it's half worse extension slash hash best because it's like the best value but like the dudes got ripped off bobby portis and uh cameron Payne for sure um you know two guys who were key contributors to two finals teams and you know milwaukee loves bobby you know we heard about it 10 times during every broadcast in the finals and uh cameron Payne just had an amazing playoff run and um but for them it's really bad for them because they got ripped off so it was a great bargain for them and stuff um but yeah at the same time it was really bad so those are my best and worst i guess if you say anything not to come off as a hater because it's his final bag of you know his life like the largest kind of contract he'll ever sign is chris paul being 40 years mm. old and getting what he's going to be getting paid kind of sucks but you know you also negotiating with the like, president of the players association has to suck too yeah, <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah, I, I might have a hunch that it probably does. So, but yeah, I, I'll say th- those are the worst and my favorite contracts. It's sentience. Also, shout out to friend of the pod Trayvon Edwards of the Athletic who who mentioned haphazardly on the Athletic NBA show, like I think it was last week, where he was just like, because people were reporting that Demar might take a discount to go back home, and he was like, Nah, he's he's getting the back. That he's not taking this guy. He's not. Go- he's living in L.A. He's he's gonna get paid somewhere else and keep living in L.A. Like he is. He's not uh, taking a discount. And that man got another multi-year extension to go to Chicago and bear those Chicago winners. Um, for me, the best contract is Mike Conley back to Utah because Utah is a taxpayer team and they are going to have a big tax bill. They paid Gobert. They have Mitchell. They just paid Conley. Um, he's going to make a lot of money and he's 33 years old, but his pick and roll work with Gobert was critical to them. Like this team lives and dies by Conley's health. And I think there is a real plausible scenario if he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't deal with his issues that they're in the finals this year. Um, There's no reason to believe that they should not be a finals team next year in terms of like, can they get there? But they could not have gotten there without re-signing Conley. And they had no it's like if he leaves it's one of those situations where it's like there's no alternative you're still capped out so you can't do anything else like you're just going to replace him with jordan clarkson um i i really like that deal i also like spencer didwitty in washington i think he'll be really really good next to beal and he's just such a good off the ball shooter anyway an off the ball player that beal will have a higher usage he'll enjoy it more i i like what dc has done um are we sure dennis Schroeder gets signed can we can we can we for sure say he is not an Atlanta Hawk and back backing up Trey Young next year? Who who's to say? <laughs> he, he's 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 going he's going somewhere. I think that's the question. 
is like when you said is Dennis Schroeder getting signed? Is he getting signed? Period. I think he's gonna get. I, I hope so. It's it's looking kind of sketchy when Kent Bazemore gets goes back to the Lakers before you do. Uh, it, it ain't looking so good for you around the league, my man's putt. Uh, I think I think someone's gonna pick him up. Mm. I think the worst hey. deal, though, for me, I just can't shake the worst deal being. It's. I'm with you on Chris Paul. I don't think this deal looks good at all. Two years from now, like it, forty years old for a small point guard, thirty-nine years old. That's just a lot of money that they can now not use to add another star next to Booker. And we'll see what Aiton does when he gets an expanded role. And he did a great job acquiescing. But I'm scared of that one. And then Jared Allen. It's a lot of money for a rim running center. That is a yeah. lot of money for a rim running center. How many games has Jared Allen won the Cleveland Cavaliers since he's been traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers? It's... That's, that's what I want to know, man. How many games has Jared Allen won for you? I'm calling Sexton. I'm looking like, oh, okay. Maybe Isaac Okoro, he proves himself another year. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Jared Allen, he's a great talent. We've known he's a great talent since he's been in the league. That much money? <laughs> How many games did y'all win last year? Come on, dog. Out. Out on him. Brutal. He's fine. He's just someone I don't want to pay. Like, he, he's just someone I don't want to pay, but if he's, he's there, then it's fine. Um... Well, let's end it there, guys. This was great. I appreciate you both making the time. Uh, what can we What can we look out from you across the internet uh, this week, Rashad? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Whatever. With my name on it. Yeah, you guys can check it out. There you go. I I've never heard of a plug like that. I, I like it. Just wherever my name's at, that uh, that's what you should check out. Um, Walt, what about you, man? I like what Rashad said, man. Whatever my name gets attached to, just check it out. Um, but of course, LakersOutsiders.com. Uh, I just got moved and settled in, man. So I'm gonna start back recording, uh, recording soon. So uh, as soon as that happens, I'll be shooting some links out and whatnot. And you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Hoopay Fiasco. And yeah, man, thank you for bringing me on, Chase. Nice to meet you, Rashad. No, likewise, likewise, like. And Chase, but before we get off the air, mm-hmm. I want to make sure it's on the record. Uh-huh. I want to get back on to just talk like on a geeky level about the Hawks. So okay, keep that in mind. Well, you know, I'm down. I'm I'm always here to talk about why Cam Reddish is the most important Hawk to their future <laughs> of the next five years. I'm always ready for that conversation. <laughs> All right, Chase. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm gonna hold you to it. It's on the air now. I mean, I it's right there. Like, I literally almost passed out when he hit multiple threes in a playoff game. Like, I just had a, a seizure in my living room. Like, it was, it was one of the greatest things. Um, so, yeah, we can we can do that. Absolutely. Um, and also just talking basketball. This is great. Um, guys, we will reconvene at a later date. But thank you so much for making the time. Uh, I will talk to you both soon. Hey, appreciate it, y'all. The Tuesday edition of the Chase Notes Podcast rolls along as I am now joined by Jack Borman to talk all things Minnesota Timberwolves because I'm really interested in Minnesota Timberwolves. Jack, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I am doing pretty, pretty good. Um, how are you? How are you feeling? Like, are you are you overwhelmed with uh, just the amount of NBA things that are happening at the moment? <laughs> man, I wish I could be. I mean, I've just been so focused on. 
on kind of where the Timberwolves go at this inflection point kind of in, in the franchise um, and kind of uh, and just in terms of Gerson Rose's tenure, I mean, it's been it's been really up and down, especially with with how they've been with injuries and and just looking looking at things through a Timberwolves lens. I've 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 just been waiting for things to happen, but um, yeah, looking around the league, man. I mean, if I were a Bulls fan or a Knicks fan um, or, or a Pelicans fan, even too, I, I'd just be really overwhelmed with with just things flying around left and right, and just how fast those franchises are, are changing within within a matter of hours. Yeah, I mean, every deal, I shouldn't say every deal, so many of these deals are just like, oh, I would have liked that one or two. I would have liked that one with a team option. I would have liked that. It, like it, Everything four, I'm just like, oh, no. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Are you doing the same thing? Yeah, I mean, it's funny now because you see so many contracts now that get, or that got signed last season that have, become, that have already become these terrible deals. We saw um, the Pistons already have to salary dump Mason Plumlee. We saw the Jazz salary dump Derek Favors. Um, and I'm looking at some of these deals like, man, these teams are just spending money to spend money. You know, Nerland's Noel at 11 million a year, Evan Fournier at almost 20 million dollars a year. I mean, it's just it's just crazy how much money is being thrown around by some of these teams. Yeah, it's it's wild, but you know, it's what we I guess kind of expected uh, with this uh, with this off season and what uh, the truncated off season last year looked like and there's just a lot more player movement i guess it's just a lot more minor pieces that have been around and um it, it is interesting because the timberwolves like when you look at what you saw with finch down the stretch last year and you saw the progression of anthony edwards you see where where towns is when he came back and d being more of a bench guy and then you traded rubio um there's a lot there but um when you plan out this core like how to add pieces around this core do you look kind of to the hawks and what they did with gallinari and bogey or what what do you make of how they should approach this offseason i think of it kind of like the bucks last year Mm. um you know where the bucks had kind of been stuck in this middle ground of you know we're a really good team but we're definitely just not there yet and we just kind of need to you know, say screw it and kind of make that jump and take that leap of faith. And with the Timberwolves right now, I think they're looking at the West and, you know, the Lakers were fractured before before they made their moves. But you look at teams like the Clippers, the Nuggets, both of those teams are both going to be worse. Portland is on the verge of implosion. The Spurs are going to be horrible. The, the Grizzlies are going to be worse. Um, you know, and you, and you think you start to think about that. Um, there's an opening for the Timberwolves to really become a, a firm playoff team in the Western Conference if, if they take that leap of faith. And for the Timberwolves, that that, that seems like Ben Simmons. And, um, you know, the Timberwolves have been awfully quiet. They haven't, they've, the only two things they've done in, in free agency, um, you know, thus far are, are give those qualifying offers to, to McLaughlin and Vanderbilt. And then we signed Nathan Knight to a two way deal. Um, so, mm. you know, they've been really quiet and I think that they're really trying to trade. Uh, Gerson Rosas, president of basketball operations, um, has said that really the only vehicle for, for improvement for this team is, is through trading. And, um, so when you think about that, I just think that it's really tough to, to make moves on the margins, uh, via trade as a small market team that are really going to make you that much better. Like in a vacuum, do I think that Torian Prince fits better than Ricky Ruby on this team? Yeah, I do. But I don't think that that's going to be the difference of three or four wins or, or enough to, to really swing your roster to a point where you can get into the playoffs after, you know, being a bottom of the barrel team for the last few years. So, 
you know, I, I think the Timberwolves, if you're in a position where you can get three legitimate star players um, on one team in a small market, I think that that's something you really, really got to think about. Um, and, and for the Timberwolves, it's just a matter of, of if you're willing to, to pay the price to, to get a guy like Ben Simmons. But, but given just the star power that he possesses and, and how much better he'd make your team on both ends of the floor from day one, um, you know, for me, that, that's where I'd be thinking. What do you think is the most realistic situation? That's kind of like the outline of what makes sense to you. What do you think is the realistic expectation yeah. for Timberwolves and fans? In terms of the most realistic outcome, um, I think you'd probably be looking at something like a sign-and-trade for Lowry Markkinen, um, mm. you know, a guy that Timberwolves drafted before they traded to um, to Chicago in the Jimmy Butler deal along with, along with Zach Levine. Um, you know, he's got to construct the floor, and, and the Timberwolves really need help at the four spot. Um, and and Rosas is has said it over and over again this summer that, you know, he, he's not just looking, you know, solely at a four guy. He could be looking at a five guy, too, that could slide in uh, above Towns and push Towns down to the four, which I think would be really interesting um, because Towns defends better in space. Um, and so if you're looking at, at a true rim protector, then maybe that's Miles Turner and you're willing to give up some pieces for him. But the Timberwolves aren't really a realistic one-to-one trade um you know, partner with, with the Pacers given, given the construction of both the rosters. So yeah, in terms of most realistic, I'd say something like Lowry Markkinen and then re-signing Jared Vanderbilt and, um, and Jordan McLaughlin. So pretty much just running it back with, with swapping out Rubio for Prince and then, um, you know, and then, and then picking up a guy like Lowry Markkinen and, and potentially sending out Jared Culver and, or, uh, Wancho Aaron Gomez along the way. Do they have the the salary to the the space to throw a, a massive offer sheet at John Collins? Uh, no. So okay. what would have to happen is, is I think that in in lieu of throwing a, a huge offer sheet at Collins, I think that they'd have to talk to the Hawks, and the Hawks would have to know. Okay, you know, we're not going to. Let's say the Hawks have a, a walkaway number. Let's say it's thirty million dollars a year, and the Timberwolves are willing to pay that thirty million dollars a year. Um, I, I think you'd see a sign and trade agreed to before, um, you know, before you'd see all oh, the Timberwolves have signed him to an offer sheet because they just don't have the cap space to, to sign him to that outright. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. I'm, I'm yeah. Ready. And I guess what works in the Timberwolves favor is that because mm-hmm. Collins's raise would be so significant, you'd have base year compensation working in your favor. Mm-hmm. So where Collins's salary figure in a trade um, would be half of what his actual salary cap hit is. So if he signs a deal for $30 million a year, um, you, you'd only have to theoretically send out um, you know, a salary match of, um, you know, of whatever that, that 15 would be then divided by you know, 1.75 to, to, to get that 175% number. Um, for, for salary match and assign and trades. So you, you don't really have to send out Malik Beasley or you can send out, um, you know, just a ton of picks and, and guys to match salaries. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that, that the sign and trade would, would be the only vehicle really for Collins. Did you, did you like the Rubio trade by and large? I did. You know, I, you know, I, I love Ricky Rubio as a dude. Um, he, he was an awesome mentor this year for Anthony Edwards. Um, and he really played better the last, you know, 15, 20 games of the season. But, um, but he just shot the ball too poorly and, and took a lot of really ill-advised shots, which is something that was unlike Ricky Rubio. Um, and just missed 
a lot of open reads really um, and, and getting guys the ball when they were open was something that took took him a while to um, to really get in the flow up this season which is odd considering that's really what he's been excellent at his whole entire career um, you know he was still excellent at taking care of the ball um, he had just a turnover ratio close to four this year which is great um, but yeah it just didn't really fit on the roster um, the Timberwolves need as much shooting as they can get um, and, and you know, Rubio just isn't that. And I think with Torian Prince, um, he gives you added size on the wing, which is something that the Timberwolves need, considering that you look at guys like Josh Okogie and Malik Beasley, um, Jalen Noel, uh, just other guys that are going to be on the wing this year that, that are only 6'4 um, or 6'5. So getting a guy like 6'8 that can play the three uh, coming off the bench, I think will be big. Um, but but I'm not, not entirely sure that, that Torian Prince will be on the roster um, day one of next season. So when you think about what we saw from Edwards down the stretch last year, and you think about Towns' game and him just being what he is at this point, by and large, just a really, really elite player. Um, what is the right kind of mix and type of players around Towns and Edwards? Not necessarily players themselves, but like the right kind of long-term fits. Cause it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it's not D'Lo. D'Lo is more of like the DeAndre Jordan type thing for them to keep Towns happy and they're cool, but like he's should not be considered part of the core. Rubio's out. Prince, obviously no. Nas Reed, no. You just go up and down the list. Herman Gomez, no. But um, Culver, unfortunately, no. So like when you think about who the right mixture of talent around pieces like Edwards and Towns, because I think they're really unique and perhaps maybe a little bit more difficult to build around, um, what what are you looking for? Like, who are you looking as the right guy next to Towns in the front court? Who is the right kind of wing next to Edwards on the perimeter? And like, who who do you have in mind? And what kind of when I say who, what kind of player do you have in mind as a yeah yeah yeah? So I I'll push back a little bit and say that that I think Nas Reed is definitely part of that core that they should try and keep around, considering okay. that he's he's super cheap um, as a, as a contract. Um, and really has grown a ton on the offensive end of the floor since he's been in Minnesota. Um, and has really been a, a key piece of that, of that bench unit that, that sticks around. Like, yeah, I get what you mean, what you mean in the sense that like, you're probably not going to play him a bunch with Edwards in, in towns. Um, but definitely I think he's a guy you want to keep on your team. Um, and the same goes for Jane McDaniels. Like I think Jane McDaniels is a perfect fit on the wing, okay. um, alongside Anthony Edwards. And I should mention Anthony- Malik Beasley too. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally think that Malik Beasley um, is, is not a, a fit, really. Hmm. Um, you know, he's he's one of the ten best shooters in the NBA, but um, but the problem with him is is he's so bad defensively. Uh, he probably lost the Timberwolves three or four games in the last two minutes of the game this year solely because of lapses in in judgment and and poor defensive awareness in in, in the clutch. Um, and and you know, I think that you can. You can try and find guys that can replicate what he does uh, from a shooting perspective without paying them $15 a year. Um, and D'Angelo Russell, I think D'Angelo Russell as a player is a really good fit next to Towns and Russell because D'Lo is really an exceptional off-ball player in terms of moving without the ball, um, you know, hunting open space, and shooting off the catch. He's phenomenal. And, and as we all know, he's a terrific pick-and-roll playmaker. Um, and a very good shooter off the dribble, whether it be step backs or pull-ups into the mid-range. Um, so I think as a player, he makes a ton of sense around Edward or around Edwards and Towns, but but his salary figure is just so high that it makes it tough to 
um, to justify keeping him around if, if you can use that salary to um, to acquire a much better player like a Ben Simmons. And if you could trade you know, a guy like D'Lo who's overpaid and a guy who probably doesn't really fit because of his off-court issues and because of his defensive you know, shortcomings in Malik Beasley, you can trade both of those guys and potentially get a guy like Ben Simmons. I think it's something that you think about. Um, but in terms of a, a guy that fits Towns and Russell – uh, in the front court, I, I think you want a guy that can really protect the rim because I think if you can get Towns and McDaniels um, making plays out in space and switching and then have a guy that's home to protect the rim, um, I think that that would be great because Towns has really struggled to defend as the big and a drop coverage. Um, I think drop is a great scheme for some guys like Gobert, um, you know, who are naturally really great rim protectors. Um, but but it's not as great for guys who would rather be quick decision makers um, and defending in space. So uh, getting a guy that can play in the drop uh, would be great. Um, or the Timberwolves should just consider going five out defensively and switching everything um, because Towns is athletic enough to do that. Um, so I'd say, you know, at the one, you'd want a guy that can really shoot and play on or off the ball. And so I think D'Lo is really a great fit there. Um, and then the, the only thing that you're really missing in terms of the Timberwolves core in terms of fit is a guy that can really protect the rim and w- would allow cat to, to be more comfortable on the defensive end of the floor. Hmm. Is it over for Jarrett Culver? Is he out of the plans? Is there any way? Is it, is yeah, it- I think so because, you know, Jarrett Culver seems like the perfect guy that would play at summer league, um, you know, as a third year guy um, who's really just struggled with confidence and injuries Um I think he make, makes a lot of sense to go play in summer league, but but he's not on the summer league roster, and the reason for that is because I think the team expects to trade him um, at some point before before summer league kicks off here in the next um, the next forty eight to seventy two hours. Interesting. I, I would be curious to see what his trade value is still at this point. Um, the last thing we'll wrap up here, um, Edwards. Like when you having watched every game down the stretch from him, and also in the beginning, like what flipped for people that were not able to see anything outside of his drastic jump and three-point percentage but also just the dunks and dude's got hops but like what changed with him and what gives you real hope that he can be a real real game changer and a real crazy scary perimeter threat for years to come yeah so i think context matters a ton with anthony edwards so anthony edwards got basically no training camp because of COVID, limited preseason run. And then he's playing with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Malik Beasley for the first game and a half before Carl Anthony Towns gets hurt in the second game of the season. And then the big man he's playing with is Ed Davis after that. And when that's the case, you you have a guy who's just posted up in the paint. And, and Edwards is a guy who really, you know, early on needed spacing to get acclimated to the NBA. Uh, because such, you know, a, such a huge part of the allure with him was his ability to just terrorize defenders uh, and the rim, you know, when he's got space to work with. And so, um, you know, once Ryan Saunders got fired in a very vanilla milk toast offense, um, was kind of thrown by the wayside in favor of an offense that featured much more ball screens, um, you know, just more creative sets and ways to get Anthony Edwards the ball going downhill um, under Chris Finch. And then, you know, you, you enter Towns back into the fold who, who's, 
you know, argu- arguably the greatest floor spacing big of all time, um, you know, to go set screens for him and, and, and pass with him and high low action. Um, so I think it was really just the, you know, the combination of that added spacing that Towns provides um, and, and, you know, ways that he occupies the defense and then having a coach that, that knows creative ways of getting him the ball. So that, that combination was great. Um, and then just the, you know, natural kind of comfortability process that, that you get in the NBA with guys that just kind of start to know what it takes to, to be successful. I think Anthony Edwards realized that, um, that getting downhill was really the most successful avenue for him uh, to score the ball. And, um, and so he really just had a, had a much different mindset the second half of the year of, I'm stronger than you, I'm faster than you, and you're not going to stop me. And having, having that security blanket of a really smart coach and another star player, uh, I think made all the difference in the world for him. So, um, you know, just thinking about the fact that the Timberwolves main core this season of Malik Beasley, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell played in two games together this year. And that was the first two games of the season. Um, they didn't play. The four of them were not all active in the same game for the rest of the season between, you know, Kat's wrist injury, Kat getting COVID, D'Lo requiring knee surgery, Malik Beasley having a really bad hamstring uh, strain that kept him out for the latter, you know, 23, 24 games of the season. So, um, so just keeping in mind that context, um, and then seeing how he was able to grow mature on the floor, uh, and just get better, um, through a coach firing and guys being in and out of the lineup, um, you know, is, is pretty damn impressive. All right. Well, I am excited to see what happens cause he's fun and I like Carlin Towns and I like watching Anthony Edwards. Um, and also the lasting memory of the wolves this past season was the Hawks beating them by like 75 points. That is my last memory <laughs> on the road. Was that on MLK Day? Yes, I believe. Uh, I yeah. believe so because I have never yeah. heard Dominique so bewildered at a team's play than that Minnesota team. <laughs> this was before Saunders got let go, and it was it was one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen in my life. Like what the Hawks were doing, to, like the Wolves were just not trying. Like it was unreal what D'Lo was doing. Like D'Lo, I, I think I wrote after that game. I was like, I don't understand how he is an NBA player anymore. Like I don't, I've never seen anyone just be less engaged and take terrible shots and just do just all the worst things a basketball player can do in the NBA. He was he was doing yeah. the game. Yeah, I think that I think that he he um, the relationship between he and Ryan Saunders had had run its course, mm-hmm. um, and I think that um, D'Lo was really looking for a a, a change of coach, um, and you know he he was much more engaged under Chris Finch, and mm-hmm. uh, was used in, in a in a really kind of versatile um, you know, array of ways where you know he's getting the ball on on pin downs coming coming off those to to get catch and shoot threes but he's also in high low action and slipping as a screener to get to the rim um something that you saw a lot in horn sets where where they use d'lo as a screener where he could then either pop out uh, and, and and catch and shoot or um or receive handoffs and make plays from there so um you know it, it's crazy how much better really good offensive players can be when they're engaged and they have a, they have a really smart coach to to kind of help them along the way yeah. Well, Jack, what can we check out from you across Candace Hoopus or wherever else this week? Yeah. So, um, you know, this week, uh, hopefully the Timberwolves will, will make some type of some type of trade and some type of move to push some of their chips into the middle. Um, and if that happens, then, then you can expect that 
that I'll have a I'll have a write up of that at CandiceHoopers.com. But otherwise, um, you know, we're just going through um, and, and reviewing some of the seasons of of individual Timberwolves, and so we've been kind of starting with the role players and um, and working our way up to to some of the more high impact guys. Um, and so the plan is to to get either Josh Akogi or, or Jaden McDaniel's um, play review up here in, in the next week or so over at CandiceHoopers.com. All right. Well, keep up the great work, sir. Thank you so much for making the time tonight. I I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun, man. I enjoy it. All right. Hello, and welcome back to a Tuesday edition of the Chase Dunks Podcast, where I am now joined by Tom Deanhart of goldandblack.com, where he covers the Purdue Boilermakers. Tom, good afternoon. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm just glad the season is at our doorstep, and uh, we're getting ready to play some football. What is uh, what is different now versus this time last year? Outside of the obvious, um, is what does it feel like normal? Is it uh, feel like we're back into the swing of things covering covering Purdue football right now? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, so far we'll see what all the media access is like. We're going to still have to do Zoom throughout the season with this surge. The COVID nineteen virus, um, you know, there's still that hesitancy sort of hanging over the season. I guess um, there's not all these rosters going to have vaccinated players, so who knows if an outbreak takes place that could maybe still compromise the roster, cause somebody to miss a game. So while there's a, for myself, there's a lot of excitement. There's still that specter that that sort of looms out there that something could happen, maybe it upset the apple cart. So there. It's Zoom all season. That's already been announced. It's not going to fluctuate based on the numbers. Well, Purdue, Purdue, Purdue hasn't made an announcement yet um, as far as if uh, they're going to have face-to-face interviews with, with players and media or whatnot. So we'll, we'll, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It should be soon. Well, how has that changed over the last year of covering this team and covering collegiate sports, high school kids, committing to Purdue, talking with Purdue? How has that uh, changed everything in the last year and a half? As far as the, the virus goes, um, I mean, you know, you just, you just have to do more things virtually. Um, and that's been the biggest change is, is not being in front of people. And, you know, that can really impact your, the interview process. So uh, just not as, 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 as intimate as a, of an of a, of a event, I guess, when you're talking to somebody virtually. So I think everybody would like to get back to some sense of normalcy when it comes to those type of activities. Um, something that I think about a lot, and this is something that I wonder if Purdue fans and maybe even you and media members are wondering about with just the direction of the program, uh, under Jeff Brom. But like when you think about where Strickland is now, I mean, Satterfield, excuse me, at, um, at Louisville and just, uh, the natural, uh, allure of Louisville for Brom being his alma mater and all that kind of stuff, but him sticking with Purdue is there some part, do you think, with Brom that wonders whether or not he should have uh, more seriously considered it just as to where Purdue is and just how much better the Big Ten has gotten as a whole? Or what do you what do you make of Brom at this point in his tenure at Purdue, and do you think that is something he's gonna have, he is thinking about? I mean, I, I, I can't even speculate on that. Yeah. But, um, you know, Purdue made him an offer he couldn't refuse, honestly. I mean... Yeah, there's always just that appeal of wanting to go home. Um, that's where his mother and father live. 
obviously he grew up there and his brothers did the Louisville football players and Jeff coached there as well I mean there's there's a lot of boxes that get checked when a guy like you know Blom looks like you know considers going back to his his alma mater but Mm -hmm. again there's that appeal there um uh, again, pretty really made him, like I said, an offer he couldn't refuse. He's well paid at the $5 million a year range. Um, and uh, he's got the resources that he needs to succeed at Purdue as well. So it hasn't been smooth sailing the last two years. There's no no way around that. But I think uh, the program has a chance to turn the corner this year. Uh, uh, he's not on a hot seat by any stretch of the imagination, but I think fans would like to see this program get at least back to a bowl six and six type season, seven and five. I think that's possible. Um, uh, and again, um, I, I, I can't imagine he regrets too much his decision to stay at Purdue. It's interesting. I so when you when you mentioned the resources that he does have the resources to succeed, has he changed anything on that front? And then on the fan front. Um, the expectations just getting to a bowl seven eight wins does that um seem reasonable when you look at look at this schedule this fall i think when i look at the schedule I, I think six and six seven and five may be the ceiling for this team um Joe Steele thinks Purdue's got the toughest schedule in america so mm-hmm. they, they, they've got to deal with that um you got notre dame um, ohio state wisconsin Iowa, um, there's there's a lot of heavy lifting on the schedule for for Purdue, so the challenges are there. But again, um, when you look at the schedule, you start trying to figure out well, win loss. You kind of always play that game with every schedule, which game you can win and lose. And I think if you, if you run your finger down that schedule, you could find six wins, maybe seven. Um, I think anything beyond that would be certainly a bonus. And uh, so we'll see. Like I said, uh, things got to click right for Purdue. They may have a lot of change in the off season. And, uh, again, I, I know Mike Bobinski, the AD is giving Jeff everything he needs to succeed. It's just a matter of having it all clicked together here. And, and they hope some of the changes they made in the off season, you know, help, help the program turn the corner. And like I said, get back to a bowl for the first time since that 2018 season. When you look at the loss of Rondale Moore, um, is it Bell is it just Jack Plummer? Who on this offense do you think has a big leap, takes a big jump uh, this year under Brom? Yeah, David Bell's got to be the star, the alpha mm. uh, of the offense. He'll be one of the better receivers, not just in the Big Ten, but maybe in America. I think the big key offensively would be that just the offensive line, honestly. That's a group that's got to come together. They, they're never going to rush for 300 yards a game, but they, they just need better balance, better run-pass balance. And in particular, they need to be more physical. Uh, Purdue always struggles when they have to get that tough yard or two. Third and short, fourth and short, or if they're in the red zone, they got to pick up a tough yard near the goal line. Um, that's one area they have to improve at as well. So, again, the line, I think, overall is going to dictate this season because I think the skill position talent at Purdue is a cut above the receivers, the tight ends. I think whoever wins the quarterback job will be just fine. Aiden O'Connell or Jack Plummer. And, and the running backs are, are serviceable as well. So, again, it's all going to, I think, fall back on that line. And what's interesting there is Jeff Blom now has two line coaches. Two of his ten full-time coaches 
are devoted to the offensive hmm. line. They don't have a tight. They don't have a tight ends coach. They promoted a senior analyst, assistant offensive line coach. Neil Callaway's his name, and they still have Dale Williams as the offensive line coach. So they've got a lot of resources invested in making this line better. So when you look at this line, in particular, a lot of sophomores, do you think it is experienced enough to to really keep whoever it is, O'Connell or Plummer? And also, just like you said, the running game, being able to get those tough yards with whether it's Xander Horvath, uh, Jaquiz Cross, like it, who, whoever it is, do you think it's in a position where they can do that? I think they have a chance. There's not a lot of quality or experience depth, so they're going to have to stay healthy, I think. But I think they could put out a pretty good first five guys there. The tackle spots are, I think, the ones to me that are maybe most worrisome. I think the interior has a chance to be good. So, you know, like, like a lot of teams like Purdue, this, the, the, the depth is where you see the big difference between the elite teams and the teams in the middle of the pack. And, you know, Purdue, when you get down to the second and third team, you know, typically that's when you're taking some gambles on guys who haven't played a lot. So, again, really to get the most success, you're going to have to hope that line, I think, for the most part, can stay healthy. Can David Bell be just as explosive in this offense as Rondale Moore? What, uh, what are the subtle differences? What, is, what makes Bell a different kind of playmaker for the Boilermakers? He's not as explosive as Rondell Moore, but, boy, he catches every ball that's thrown his way. He's tough and uh, makes clutch catches, too. He's going to be a focal point of defenses this year, but you know, Rondell Moore only played a total of seven games the last two years, so it's mm-hmm. not like Bell was out there a lot with Moore. He was still the focus of defenses most of the time the last two years, and David Bell still excelled. Uh, if defenses want to focus on Bell, you know, they've got other wideouts like Milton Wright, T.J. Sheffield. They've got a transfer from Marshall and Brock Thompson, who I think is going to be good. They've got two capable tight ends, Payne Durham and Garrett Miller. So, yeah, Bell's going to get a lot of attention, but Purdue's got plenty of other weapons, I think, that they can exploit. Defenses want to pay a lot of attention to Bell. On defense, who stands out to you most right now? Uh, it's George Karloftis, without a doubt, the junior defensive end, a local kid. If you look at some early, early mock drafts for 2022, most of them have Karloftis as a first-round pick. Uh, this could be his last year on campus if he's as good as everybody thinks. And, uh, again, he's going to be the, the star on that side of the ball. And, again, that's a defense with an entirely new coaching staff and a new scheme and six transfers as well so he, he's one sure thing and one veteran that i know the, the the team can really count on on that side of the ball when you're looking at when you're taking note of just the spring practices spring games summer summer practices people getting ready for training camp this that and the other who who would you say right now on the roster is has risen the most and who who has kind of fallen off a little bit from their spring summers I think one of the surprises this spring was one of the transfers, a, a linebacker from Auburn named O.C. Brothers, hmm. who Jeff Rom talked about often in the spring, uh, really came in and turned some heads. He's going to really inject some athletic ability to that defense. And, and he's a guy I think could end up working his way in the starting lineup and maybe being the team's best linebacker when it's all said and done. So, uh, and exciting to watch him. I think the defensive tackle spot's a concern at Purdue. Um, one of their better tackles is, is hurt. He's not going to be able to start the year because of a foot injury. 
Um, they got a couple of transfer tackles. We're counting on to add some depth inside, but they have to get a push on the interior and be good against the run there on the inside. And, you know, offensively, again, I talked about the line, and the one thing Purdue has to do overall, I think, is just be able to throw that football down the field. For as much talk as there has been about making the ground game better, you know, this is always going to be an offense built around the vertical pass game with Jeff Brom, and they need big plays down the field in the pass game. And uh, then that's probably going to really tell the tale of the season. Uh, as much as that running game is their ability to stretch defenses out, throw the ball deep, make big plays. Uh, they can do that. Like I said the offense should be pretty good. How much does Tom Allen's success at Indiana of late affect uh, Purdue and how Purdue's thinking is going into each season? Well, you always keep your eye on your rival, and Indiana's playing awfully well. A lot of momentum. Going to be a preseason top 20, top 15 team. And, uh, yeah, you know, you never like seeing your rival do good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Purdue still, even, even with the success Indiana's had the recruiting for Purdue this year has still been pretty solid. Uh, so they haven't really fallen off. And kept pretty close pace to IU. So, yeah, you always got your eye on your rival. And you want to do good. So, yeah, you know, Purdue's got its work cut out for them to, to keep up with, with, with IU and what Tom Allen's got going on down there in Bloomington. Who starts the most games under center for Purdue this fall? Who do you think it is? I still think it's Aiden O'Connell. Um, okay. You know, he, he, he won the job last year in camp over Plummer. There's not a big difference between the two quarterbacks. The one thing Plummer does a little bit better is throw the football down the field. Um, and I think, again, like I said moments ago, that's that's key to this offense. And he runs good enough to extend plays with his speed if he has to. He's a leader. He's well-liked. And I think in the end, he's the guy who wins the job. And he may play two quarterbacks early on in the year, but I still think he takes the first snap of the year on September 4th when they start the year at home against Oregon State. Final question. We'll wrap up here. Um, when you look at the schedule, feel still having uh this being the toughest schedule i would still probably say it's georgia tech georgia tech still stands out to me most it's like oh my oh my goodness i don't i don't know how you get more than three wins on the schedule um but when you look at the schedule you look at the like just even weird things like going on the road at uconn um what what are your expectations if you had to peg a number it is what august 3rd if you had to peg a final guess as to what purdue does this fall what would you guess Record-wise, I, I think six and six. Okay. Um, to me, I mean, you you always want to start quickly. I mean, that, that that goes without saying. Everybody wants a quick start to your year. But man, for Purdue, it's imperative. You look at the first, what is it, five games of the year. Um, Purdue has a chance to start four and one. If they start four and one. I think bowl game for sure. If they're three and two or anything worse than three and two, things get a little dicey. That home opener against Oregon State is a monumental game. That's a game Purdue's got to win. Then you go to Connecticut. You've got to win at Connecticut. They're horrible. Then you go to Notre Dame. So you're probably you got to be two and one. And then you have, you open the Big Ten season with two home games. You got Illinois and Minnesota, right? And no offense to Illinois and Minnesota, I'm sure they think they can beat Purdue, but Purdue thinks they can beat them. And those are kind of your peer programs. And Purdue's got to find a way to win those games at home because. You look at the last seven games, that's when things get dicey. So if Purdue can get off to a good start, like I said, 4-1, at least 3-2, and two, 
you know, I think there's a really good chance you'll see him in some type of bowl game at the end of the season. Interesting. Tom, what can uh, we check out from you across uh, Rivals and uh, and the Black and Gold and everything? What uh, what can we check out from yeah, you just, Yeah, you know, just, just previewing the season and uh, a lot of different ways through feature stories and statistics. Talking, to the, I got a story on the, with the AD coming up. And, uh, yeah, practice starts August 6th, so they'll be rolling here. And, and uh, we always have wall-to-wall coverage. Yeah. And Bogin- Bowinski is the one who came from Tech, right? Am I misremembering that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Bowinski was at Georgia Tech. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Small world. Well, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for making the time this afternoon. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, good luck this season, sir. You got it, sir. Thank you, buddy. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.